everybody. Welcome back. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I'm excited this week. Well, I'll just tell you every week why I'm excited. So this week I'm excited again because Anna is back. Yay! <laughs> I don't know when my excitement over that will wear off, but it's not yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for listening as always. However you're listening, wherever you're listening, you can like and subscribe and we would love your feedback. So you can hit us up on social media. You can email us, whatever. If you have things that you want us to talk about, things that you like, things that you don't like, just be nice. Um, but we would love to hear from you. <laughs> yeah. We're doing some planning now for future episodes. So if you have ideas, definitely let us know because we are all ears. Yes, we are all ears for sure. Okay. So we're going to get into our practice notes. Liz, what's yours? Okay, so my practice notes for the week, I always feel like full of a lot of things after we come out of yoga teacher training. And so my practice notes for the week, they're literal, but then they also kind of apply off the mat are step your feet wider. Wow. <laughs> so it's such a like simple thing. It seems really simple, but so often just taking your feet in whatever, if you're in Tadasana, if you are, you know, even if you're doing something like running through some sun salutations, and you like are in lunge, you might need to like take your legs wider, just give yourself the space that you need. So if you are literally on your mat, and you feel like compression because of your belly or because of your boobs, you are allowed to step your feet wider. And I think that um, that translates off the mat. And for so many reasons, but just make space yeah. for yourself in your entire we could do a whole episode on this, probably but like, you know, create space for yourself, take up as much space as you need. Um, it's your mat, it's your life. <laughs> like you don't have to shrink right. other people. So those are my practice notes for the week. I mean, amen and hallelujah podcast is over. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's not really anything else to say. That was really yeah. good. Yeah. Last episode, <laughs> final episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, mine is that today is not necessarily representative of your future. Oh, that's really And cool. what I have been thinking about lately is t just times where I feel like, what am I doing? I, I constantly feel this way. What am I doing with yeah. my work, with my life? <laughs> um, where is it going? What's next? Do I have anything left to say? Is everyone tired of me? Like this kind of continues <laughs> and... I just have accepted that this is going to be an ongoing narrative and I have to just kind of almost like how over time I've been able to like less negative body thoughts come up in general, but when they do, then I'm like, Oh, this again, whatever. Yeah. Um, I think I'm have to be that way about the, all the kind of questioning what I'm doing with my life stuff yeah. that comes up. That's um, cool notice the patterns in your own life and like what's helpful and what's not. Yeah, exactly. And just feeling like, okay, I don't like always have to feel this way. I can probably shift these thoughts as well. Yeah. And also I know that I don't always feel this way. So yeah. when I do, then it feels like this is how I always feel. But like the actual facts are that it's a small percentage of the time. <laughs> it just yeah, feels so like a big. Yeah. So often yeah. like <clears throat> we've talked about this in relation to like body image moments and all kinds of stuff that it just feels like you're in a tunnel and it's hard to see kind of the light at the end. And so it's helpful. Mm -hmm. I do the same thing with certain things to just remind myself, like, 
you have felt this way before, and then you have also not felt that way. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Nice. It's that reminder. Yeah. So that's mine. Well, we are going to jump right into our main segment today, and I'm excited about it because it kind of ties into some stuff that came up. If you listen to the podcast last week, um, my friend Ariel from high school joined us, and she um, is a yoga teacher in Atlanta, Um, and we talked a little bit about an incident that she had in a class after becoming a yoga teacher where she was modifying a pose for herself, and um, the teacher kind of shamed her in front of the entire class for doing that. Mm. So I'm excited to talk this week with Anna um, and with all of you listening about becoming your own teacher, because I really think that I think I can speak for both of us um, that what we hope as yoga teachers that we can give to you is just tools for you to create your own practice um, and to create a practice that feels good to you and feels good in your body. And we're just giving you suggestions um, and you can do whatever you want with that to make it feel good to you. And, and that is, that looks like you being given kind of information that we have, and then you can become your own teacher. Yes, that's right. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's yeah, I feel like this is cool. Yeah, go ahead. You're good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is the goal. Um, I think sometimes there's this idea like you are going to have a teacher and you're going to be with that teacher for the rest of your life. And I mean, I guess some people do that, but I think it really is in my own experience for sure is over time I have teachers that come in and out of my life. And of course I want to continue learning But also I feel like what I hope they're all guiding me toward what I'm looking for as a student is that deeper connection with myself, with my intuition, my wisdom. Yeah. Yeah. And that's definitely what I hope that we are fostering for people and for ourselves, really. Yeah. I think that there's nothing, I don't know. I love being able to teach in a class setting, um, and see students who are maybe regulars that you've had for a while who have heard you say the same things maybe over and over again <laughs> that you've offered like the same modifications to repeatedly to see them be able to kind of like give that to themselves without you offering it. Like I'll always offer it, but for them to just know I've learned enough that I know what works for my body and, you know, I need to use a block here and that they do it you've given permission for it so often that they just know, I don't need permission for this anymore. I can just do it. (laughs) I know that's the best. It is. It's such a good moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I would just talk a little bit about what it means to me to be your own teacher. And then I'm curious to hear what it means to you. I feel like we've kind of started to talk about it a little bit, but Um, I think sometimes people get a little scared about this idea in yoga because they think it means students or just people are going to kind of be like doing whatever willy nilly without any guidance or ideas about what is safe for their body. Right. And to me, it's not about, oh, just free for all, do whatever without any information. It's more like exactly what you were just saying, where you have learned 
you know, you kind of have your foundations down. You have a sense of alignment or how to use props or whatever, and not in a rigid way, but in a way where you can really use it as a tool. I think oftentimes this helps people to bridge to a home yoga practice. Yes. um, Because you have more information about how to modify, whether that's yoga videos you're doing or just things you do on your own. Um, And to me, it's really about how yoga and this process of becoming your own teacher really is guiding you more and more into an experience, a conversation with your own body where you can kind of be like, okay, what do I actually need right now? And you have an answer for that that maybe you wouldn't have earlier in your practice. Or I'm doing this pose, but I'm really not feeling how this teacher is teaching it. And you make an adaptation. Yeah. And that kind of brings me to how, how it can show up in classes. So if you're a student taking a class, um, although <laughs> your friend's uh, story suggests that this does is not always well received, but right. um, hopefully it is that when you are doing something, and if, I do this all the time if I take classes, um, I will do what the teacher is saying in terms of the pose or whatever in general, but I will make my own adaptation. Yes as needed because maybe the teacher doesn't know about those adaptations or modifications. Maybe they just didn't think about it. Maybe they don't regularly include that stuff, but I'm like, what? I don't care what the reason is. I'm just doing it to make it work for my body. Yeah. What does it mean to you? I mean, I think as a teacher, um, it means to me what I said earlier, just teaching in a way that gives, multiple options as best as you can with however much time you have in your class, but that offers multiple options for people so that they feel like they can find something that works for them um, to do it in a way that doesn't feel like if you choose to do it a certain way, somehow you're doing a lesser version of the pose or Mm -hmm. even an easier version of the pose. One thing that we talked about in this last YTT group is that you know, when, when you choose a modification, like whatever that modification may be, and when you're truly, truly choosing what's best for your body, you are choosing what is challenging for you. If that's what you're kind of looking for in your mm-hmm. practice that day, you are choosing, um, what look, when you're choosing what's best for your body, that you are choosing kind of like the best place for you to be and that everyone is getting yeah. the same benefit of the pose. If you are choosing to be where you need to be in that day. And so, you know, for yeah. teacher, it looks like creating a space where there's multiple options, where you're giving people the tools that they need to make decisions for themselves, where like you're giving, I don't really like to use the word permission. I use it a lot because I, I want to be like, you don't need permission from me, but we live in such a like permission <laughs> that like looks at teachers as people that you need permission from. And so to create a space where people right. feel the freedom, that's probably better. Um, the freedom to give themselves what they need um, and that they've been given enough tools for yeah. me that they can kind of think through that and, and modify as needed. And I think for me personally, as a practitioner, being my own teacher looks like feeling the freedom in a class to, you know, modify poses. We talked, I've talked before about how, when I first started practicing, there were no props. I didn't know that props were even a thing. 
Um, right. And then my next kind of the next place that I moved to, there were props, but props weren't taught. People just kind of had learned. And so they knew what they needed to do for their body. And it wasn't looked down upon, uh, but I still didn't know what to do. <laughs> and so I think as a practitioner right. in a class setting, being my own teacher for me looks like in one way, disconnecting from that teacher brain <laughs> and, and allowing myself to be taught but then yeah. also allowing myself space to give myself what I know that my body needs and what's best for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there are so few places in life that we even have a chance of that kind of um, autonomy, but also within a guided space Yeah, that the more, I can even move towards that as a teacher feels really important because I love that. Like you said, yeah, people do not need permission for me. Whenever people say things like, I remember one time, um, this was such an honor, but also I was very embarrassed by it. I was included in some like top 50 or hundred or something yoga teachers like in the world. And I was just like, I don't I was like, I don't want to be on anyone's pedestal. Like, that's yeah. not what I'm here for. Right. That's good. I feel like really my job and every person's job as a yoga teacher is to turn people back to themselves, not yeah. to me. Yeah, that's good. It's so important. And that's part of it because, yeah. Yeah. No, keep going. Well, I was just going to say that, I don't know the more people that we have who are tuned into their own body and intuition and all of that just feels like a really important thing in this world. It's so important. And when we talk about it in terms of, you know, being able to teach teachers to kind of go out in the world and do that. I don't know. Aside from wanting to make sure that they can like safely teach yoga to other people. I feel like Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's, anything more important than being able to kind of instill in them the importance of your job as a teacher is to bring people back to themselves. And that, um, you know, it's not whatever's happening in the classroom isn't happening for, or in the yoga room, it's not happening for you (laughs) or to, you know, to make you feel better. And there are, you do have moments where you feel like really happy, like, um, like everyone is just like doing their thing and, and it's great, but it's not because, you know, synchronized yoga is happening and everyone is in the full expression of the pose. And like, but you know, you can get that same feeling when you see like this person decided to go to the wall because they knew that it was what's best for them. And that person's using a strap and that person has 82 blocks. Like like, you get that same feeling. (laughs) (laughs) because you know that other people are like they're in tune with what's happening in their body and that is a great feeling too yeah that's right yeah and I'm just thinking about people listening who might be thinking like how does this actually happen like becoming your own teacher and I feel like it happens through a combination of things and I'll be interested to hear what's on your list but I'm kind of thinking about, I mean, time, honestly, is one of those things. Yeah. 
um, your intention that you're bringing to your yoga practice. So if you're having that intention of kind of uh, a conversation with your body and listen, this is not an intention that you need to have every time you go to the mat in order for this to happen, because right. trust me, there's plenty of time years that I have spent on the yoga mat because it was a place where I could check out, you know, you yeah. totally can use yoga to check out as yeah. much as you can use it to check in. Yeah. Totally. Um, so, you know, if you're in that season of life, it's fine. Yes. You know, really yoga is something that we can have a relationship with for as long as we want over the course of life. Yeah. So there's just going to be different seasons. Yeah, that's right. Um, what else would you add to the list of what kind of helps you move oh, towards? My first thing too is time, that like, if you yeah. stick with it long enough, you will get there. I think I yeah. think it can be really important, especially if you're talking about um, being a new, like a, if you're new to yoga, um, I think it can be important to find a teacher that is giving you tools that you need, especially if you don't feel comfortable navigating it on your own. Obviously the internet is just like a wealth of knowledge these days. Um, but to really right. learn and see, I know it can be hard sometimes to find that, but if you can find a teacher that can share with you what they know in a way that makes you feel empowered in your own practice, mm. I think that can be really important. Um, and just helping to build your confidence um, to know that you do know what's best. Because sometimes we just, that role of teacher can be so, I don't know, we just kind of submit to teachers and feel like they know what's better. But in reality, as your teacher, I never know what's better for your body. Like you always know better than I yeah. do. Um, even if you're not, yeah. even if you're not super checked into your body, you're still more checked in than I am because you're living in it. So I think if you can find a right. practice, someone that you feel comfortable learning from, um, who is mindful of the fact that they don't know more about your body than you know, I think that that can be really helpful to help build that confidence. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think becoming your own teacher isn't about not ever having a teacher right. or not having one again. Yeah. It's like, I mean, maybe another way to say it is also becoming more embodied or becoming more in touch with what we were talking about earlier, intuition yeah. and inner wisdom, um, that no matter who you're learning from or if you're in your own practice at home or whatever, you know that you have a touchstone that you can come back to, which is your own body and experience. Yeah, that's good. I like it. Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I mean, we could probably talk about this for like 92 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I we can call this part one. <laughs> we can call this part one. I just think that what I would love for people to take away from this is that if you haven't felt, um, empowered in your own practice if you haven't felt like you know if you're attending a classes and you haven't felt like you have the space to kind of do what's best for you that I would encourage you to maybe find a different place to go <laughs> but also to know that yeah. like you are allowed to like do what feels good to your body and if it means modifying poses then you modify a pose and like if someone's offended that you are choosing to do something that they're instructing, but in a different way, um, that you maybe look for a space that you have the freedom to do that. 
Yeah. Even if that space is in your yeah, that's room. the beauty of right. That's the beauty of how many different teachers and opportunities and online things there are these days. Is that you don't like you never needed to, but you definitely now don't need to stay somewhere where you feel like people are trying to you know make you into something you're not or yeah. whatever the case. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Do you have anything? Well, I don't. You know, like you said, part one. Yeah. And we, I would love to hear from people listening if you have any thoughts on how this has unfolded in your own life, questions you have, that kind of thing. And we can definitely continue the conversation. Yeah, I love it. All right. Okay. Curvy Collab. So I have a resource for you this week. It's a beauty product. Um, it's actually a reflective <laughs> product. So um, I don't know where you live or what the temperature is. But obviously it's late May and it has been 90 degrees in Nashville. <laughs> so I'm already like July is going to be killed. Like, I just don't, I don't even know. But I bought a thing in the store the other day because it was a pretty color. So it is the brand of Heritage <laughs> Store. I bought it at like a health food store here in town. It's Rosewater. And it is, it's like, it's the one that I bought is marketed as like a face spray, like a moist, it says that it's hydrating. And I literally bought it because I was having a moment and I was like, that's a pretty color. So I bought it. And I'm telling you, (laughs) but one, it smells amazing. I spray my poor teenage son down with it before he gets out of the car every morning. And I'm like, you smell so good. Like, I smell like roses, mom. Uh, <laughs> but I'm like, you're glowing. You're glowing. Um, it smells amazing. It really is very hydrating. And more than anything, it's super refreshing. So it's been crazy hot. I've kept it in my car. So that's probably not the best place to keep it. But even when I spray my face with it, it feels super refreshing. It doesn't. Like if you're wearing makeup, it doesn't mess up your makeup. Um, I really love it. We will put a link in the show notes. I highly recommend that you get some for the summer because it just feels really good. Um, I also do that. And a friend of mine told me, yes. And a friend of mine told me that she puts hers in the fridge. (gasps) Listen, if I put that in the (laughs) fridge and use my jade roller from the freezer... Oh my God. I just reinvented dermatology. (laughs) Game changer. Someone write me a check. (laughs) So everyone, you're welcome for that. Yeah. All summer I'll be jade rolling my, my frozen jade rollers and my chilled rose water. And I will say my skin is, I wouldn't say that I have sensitive skin, but I do feel like I can like break out easily with the wrong product. And this has not, I was, I, after I bought it, I was like, I'm going to break out period. Like it's going to happen. And I haven't. So I'm not saying you won't break out, but I'm saying that I have not. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. I haven't here. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go to our eye roll of the week. I love it. And mine is to Silicon Valley Tech Bros. So (laughs) I 
read an article the other week about the guy who runs Twitter and also other Silicon Valley tech bros and how they're all on this quote unquote lifestyle that like essentially involves not eating. Oh, like that's an oversimplification, but that's basically that's it. Problematic. And I was like, if your lifestyle involves not eating, that's not called a lifestyle. No, that's-, <laughs> that's called a diet and or an eating disorder. <laughs> Definitely called an eating like, disorder. This is not something to be promoting or that's like good or cool. I'm so confused. so Silicon Valley, no thank you. Your, I know. I mean, I'm not going to link to the article. No, but. don't. Start, <laughs> I mean, I'm going to Google it. But yeah. What? <laughs> yeah, there's just so much, so much body garbage out there. There's no joy in that part at of all. I am not here for that. Mm-mm. No, no. Mm-hmm. I um everybody I texted Liz earlier today and I said <laughs> Hazel cries every time she's eating and I find it very relatable. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that's and it's the true is real. Like that when you're it is when you're first of all, she's only ever tasted one thing, right? So she doesn't even know what's waiting for her <laughs> on the other side of this. She has no idea. But she is like eating the best thing that she's ever eaten and it ends and she doesn't know yet that it's going to come back. <laughs> That's right. She is literally grieving. I know, poor girl. Poor I just want to feed her. <laughs> Everybody, she's well fed. I've seen those cheeks. She's doing just fine. That's right. Little cutie. Little buddy. (laughs) I love it. So good. Okay. So let's move on to gratitude for the week. It is not for what we just talked about. Um, We are, we're grateful (laughs) for Hazel. We're not grateful for the conversation prior. Um, My, (laughs) just to be clear. My gratitude this week is for the opportunity that we have to kind of like rewrite the things that were taught growing up. Um, I've been thinking about it a lot lately and there's just a lot going on kind of in society that reminds me of a way that I was raised um, and things that I was taught were kind of moral and right and the way things should be done. And this is why. And um I am thankful for the things that happened in my life in my 20s that caused me to um, revisit those things and to change my mind about things and to make different decisions. And I'm grateful that we just have the space to do that. I think sometimes we have to choose to take that space um, and to take the time to do that. But I'm some probably not great circumstances in my life. led me to feel like I needed to revisit a lot of what I was taught growing up. And I'm thankful just that we have the opportunity to kind of, that we're not like stuck with <laughs> with what our parents gave us um, and that we can make different decisions. And so I've just been really um, grateful for that this week. Yeah, that really is everything. Yeah, 
Well, mine is much less profound. <laughs> um, I'm just going to go ahead and say that, but the flowers in Portland right now are insane. Are they beautiful? Everywhere you look, everything is blooming. It's so gorgeous. Yeah. And because I new-ish to living in the Pacific Northwest, there's a lot of flowers I've never seen before. Oh, that they they must just not grow in the Southeast, which is mostly where I've lived, or the Midwest. And I'm just like, what is this? This is so cool. So, so when we go on walks, which we do, you know, I'm walking our dog every day. I'm just like looking at everything all the time, pointing it out. It's very exciting oh, for me. I love that. <laughs> I love it. That's so good. Yeah. That's perfect. Okay, so let's close with one breath together. We'll inhale and exhale. The light in me honors the light in you. Namaste. Namaste.